Suicide Notes to Kurt Cobain A Memoir of Sorts by Gunnar Bush Names have been changed to protect the guilty and innocent and myself from the guilty and innocent. Chapter 1 I was on assignment for Rolling Stone magazine when I stepped in bubblegum. A fresh, pink piece that only seconds before was in the disease-ridden mouth of a malicious adolescent. I glanced around to find the prepubescent savage, but it could have been anyone. Luckily, the culprit gave it away by singing. Too much bubblegum, my shoe got stuck. Standing in front of me was a filthy child, likely sickened from something, at the very least, a small cold that I would catch if I touched this spewed candy with my bare hands. Children are vectors for diseases. That's not ageism, it's a fact, I was once a child myself. This girl sang the line again, out of tune. I didn't have time for this. I pulled out my special water bottle and took a hard, deep drink of the clear stuff, figuring it had to be five o'clock somewhere. This child's mother was behind her, taking a pick for the gram. She was a cunt. I had a sixth sense about these types of things. I turned her child around so she wouldn't walk into her own death on Independence Avenue, and proceeded to continue dragging my loafer across the sidewalk. That's exactly where we were as a country, back on the first day of October in 2016. Not to get all philosophical, but a democracy gets the leader it deserves, and the hoi polloi was made up of people out for them. Sure, I get it, we all want instant gratification without putting in the work. We don't even want the escalator to success, no, we demand the microwave version that comes with a large fry and bigger soda. If we were in ancient Rome, Nero would be getting ready to fiddle. Personally, at the time, I blamed the Kardashians, but this started long before those inflatables came to be. The self-proclaimed greatest country on the planet was heading toward a lost cause. That's what happens when enough bad guys rise to the top of capitalistic democracy. When propaganda is the true maker of kings, combined with a mass plan to undereducate the youth, children are raised to believe that everyone deserves a trophy, and they want to be famous for no fucking reason with no talent. Narcissism is the name of the disease, and it's not the missing healthcare missing the diagnoses. It's been here for generations. Since the 80s, a guy like Trump could prosper on greed. So instead of creating a utopian society where humanity is jointly focused on getting better and smarter so we can figure out how to get robots to do everything while we live in peace and harmony, we are still fighting imaginary lines over things like the right to own an AK chopper or determining the rights of unborn babies, which was decided in the goddamn 70s. Yep, 2016 feels like a score ago now. We were still trying to climb out of the freaking Alan Greenspan debacle, and the two political choices felt staged. It was as if both had been planted by the other to screw up so they could win. They were laughable, a TV game show host who made his money in construction, but would get jumped if he went to a construction site, pitted against a former first lady married to a philanderer president. The entire country was ready to get voting over with, but instead, we were less than 40 days out and dragging the election like a piece of bubblegum stuck to the bottom of our shoe. I didn't have a fucking time for it. As I was saying, I was on assignment right then for Rolling Stone magazine. My shirt was sticking to my back from the humidity, and I was sweating. Global warming or some shit. I did the forward moonwalk enough to rid myself of the gum, and I moved along while singing. Too much bubblegum, your shoe got stuck. Damn it. Now the song was stuck in my head. I was on my way to a rendezvous for information that might be detrimental to one of the two presidential candidates, either the former first lady, or the yuppie construction worker. I didn't know which yet, and the race between these two so far had made mudslinging look clean.
It had been filthy with sleaze, and it was only the 1st of October. The final weeks were preparing to be the ugliest America had seen this century. Each day brought a news cycle and a chance to stain whichever candidate's reputation. The bar was being moved lower daily. Just when we collectively thought we were in the basement, we heard a knock on the floor below. I wasn't quite sure on the legal aspects, but I did figure I was tiptoeing on the right side of Johnny Law. Ignorance of the law is no excuse, but this was a thin line and ignorance is bliss. Not that I cared if it was against the law. Getting dirt on another political candidate is an intrinsic part of America, we wouldn't protect the Kennedys any longer. Gary Hart had shown the way. Besides, I grew up Catholic, so my whole basis of life as a child was do whatever you want, and then go be sorry for your sins while saying the assigned riddles. So, I was getting the dirt either way. This had to be my big break, I had been hired by Rolling Stone to work through November, but hadn't yet been published. And it's not from lack of trying. I had been submitting my pieces weekly, but my editor Terry was never satisfied or very helpful. My last piece had been great, in my personal opinion, but was rejected without a word. It was on the new rhetoric I was hearing across the country. Donald Trump is going to save America. It was a simple catchphrase, but I was hearing it from sea to shining sea. I was also coming into contact with a new political person, cricket eaters who were known to the pollsters as a new wave of the silent majority. They were mostly white folk, disenfranchised by something, but the propaganda was primarily responsible for their tendency to project this sentiment. Most had never voted or cared about politics, but they weren't fucking silent. These newly found good old boys and girls wouldn't shut up about Trump and were all parrots for this new terminology. It was alarming and Orwellian, if that's not the same thing. Donald Trump will save the country, and nobody ever gave me a how or a why. I noticed the trend, but nobody else did. The pollsters, who I still hadn't met, were clueless, and the media was a joke, still thinking that making fun of Trump wasn't giving him free airtime. Trump was getting more looks every day than OJ got for the high-speed chase. I put my heart and soul into the 1,423 words that I turned in. Terry didn't print the piece, though, but I had to settle for my weekly pay. I had to get published before November, and this leak was my best chance. I was desperate, so if I had to do some shady shit, so be it. The sky was blue with curly white clouds spinning by, and the area finally opened up so the foot traffic could disperse outwards. The freshly paved sidewalk would have been great to rip, I wish I had my board. Skating wasn't allowed, but I'd been blowing loud all morning and I was ready to skate. I jumped up onto the long railing, put my hands up, and pretended to skate. As I made my way across the opening, I noticed a black man with an earpiece. He gave me a big head nod, and kept walking. I paused. He made eye contact with another man with a camera. Neither one of them looked like tourists. They were both secret service or perhaps undercover. They both acknowledged me, I was certain of that. I turned back to look at the black guy with the earpiece. He returned my gaze. They were onto me, it was a sting. I stopped walking. It was about to go down like a New Age Watergate, and I was in the middle of it. I halted completely to watch this man, and when I did, he turned from me and walked away. Maybe he wasn't here for me at all. He never looked back at me again, and the man with the camera was gone too. I questioned my life choices, pondering once again if I could be arrested for collecting dirt on a presidential candidate. The feds wouldn't be trying to entrap me when this whole ordeal fell into my lap. I still didn't even know who the dirt was on. 
I was contacted anonymously from an email, deeperthroat2016 at gmail.com. I figure deeperthroat at gmail.com must have been taken. I took a deep breath, bending down to pretend to tie my shoe before taking another long, hard drink out of my special water bottle. Then I pulled out and ate a mini-sized Snickers, after all, chocolate and peanut butter will mask the smell of any booze. The men were gone, but they had been watching me. My paranoia was always real. I needed to remember what the emails had said exactly. It was two emails, the first felt very spammy, almost like a mass email blast sent out to a ton of press contacts to get a bite. That was my gut feeling, so I didn't respond. Then I drank a few, and changed my mind. I took the bait and replied. Perhaps I shouldn't have. The response I got in return was swift. Despite it mentioning my name a few times, it still felt spammy. It went on to say if I was interested in being the one who broke this election's October surprise, I could meet them at the hot dog stand west of the monument at 1 p.m. on Saturday. She told me her name was Morgan. She claimed to work for the Clinton campaign team, and stated that what she had would change the course of the election. So, I confirmed that I would be there. It was cloak and dagger stuff, and I didn't know who the dirt was on. I could speculate, but either way, this person was leaking it to me. I couldn't be arrested for that. Meeting at the hot dog stand in a very public place wasn't the same as the shadows of a basement parking garage. My watch read 13.02, and my mind was sprinting with every paranoid thought imaginable. Gunner. Hey, Gunner. I could see a young lady standing just beyond the hot dog stand. She was yelling at me like I was a cat she was beckoning for. I turned to my left, and then slowly walked closer. She was one of the hottest women I had ever seen in the district. She was motioning at me with one finger, and in that moment, I just knew it had to be a sting or a prank. I turned around quickly to make sure that her six-foot-nine boyfriend, also named Gunner, wasn't looming behind me. The woman had long, blonde hair, cutting green eyes, and a symmetrical face with a nose pinned on cute as a button. Her figure was similar to a Coke bottle with more dimensions, thick in all the right places like a good bowl of chili. My nerves kicked in. I could hear myself stutter in my head before I even said a word. Her good looks were that distracting, and there was no denying that she was talking to me now. You're Gunner Bush from Rolling Stone magazine, right? She said loud enough for any wire or microphone nearby to pick up. It was a trap. I began to panic, but didn't have time to react. She started to reach into her bra to pull out the wired microphone, so I blurted out, No. I'm Hunter Bush, not Gunner, you must be looking for my twin brother. She looked at me like I had just smacked her. She was obviously digging into her shirt now, adjusting her cleavage right in front of me. She was wearing a wire. Removing her right hand from her bra area, she straightened herself on the outside and showed me what looked like a green and white USB drive. It had been hidden wherever women put things in their bra. I didn't know, and I watched her do it. I was just relieved it wasn't a wire. Huh, your twin? She finally replied, curling her face up in the cutest way and adding, You're joking, right? Yes, why yes, I am, I stuttered and then asked her, So you are deeper throat, huh? Yes, that was the email I picked. I don't even know why I used that, it was sophomoric, but I was hoping it would get your attention. I didn't want to come off too brash, you know. She was talking fast in a valley girl type of voice that I didn't understand. After a moment's pause, she dropped her voice a bit, got closer to me, and grabbed my tie. I know you're Gunner Bush with the Rolling Stone, though, because I looked you up.
I found your picture online. Okay, well, what can I help you with? I asked her as I grabbed back my tie. I was trying to act like I didn't like this beautiful woman rubbing my tie and saying my name in a soft, sexy voice. Well, Gunny, this is going to change the entire election. She paused and stared me right in the eye. She wanted me to understand what she was saying. What is? I asked in response, letting her know how confused I was with a grimace on my face. This, she handed me the jump drive, is going to sink Trump's battleship. As I took the evidence, I felt like I was going to be arrested again. What is this? I don't know you. I told you, it's going to change the election, she said, seemingly upset that I didn't know exactly what was on the USB. She was beyond beautiful, and that was messing with my judgment. You work with a Hillary camp? I assumed you had some dirt on her. I stared at the USB, flipping it around as if I was tracking an ant crawling around on it. Yes, I work for Senator Clinton, and I am the person who found this in the Trump files. Okay. I want it noted in Rolling Stone magazine as such, so you guys get the video first. You can break it a day before this is going to come out, and then you can do a great article for me, it's a win for everyone. It felt rehearsed. What are the Trump files? She loosened her shoulders a bit, and the tension flew out of her. It wasn't until that moment that I realized it wasn't a sting. I reached into my pants to put the USB into my tidy whities She made a face at me like I shouldn't put it into my pants. You just had it in your bra, why can't I secure it? I'm out on my run and don't have any pockets in this, she gestured toward her jogging outfit while looking at me like I was a moron. I felt like one. I might have been one, but I wasn't going to let her be condescending to me. You said this is from the Trump files, but what are the Trump files? It's a database of all things Trump. It has like videos, audio recordings from interviews, old footage, quotes from newspapers from back in the 80s, and just all this stuff on Trump. We would like, go through it looking for anything bad he might have said, or whatever. Gotcha. And you do this as a Clinton staffer? I asked, now wondering what her real angle was here. Yes, I do, and I'm the one who found this recording. I'm giving it to you, and I want you to make sure that everyone knows I'm the one who found this. I want the credit. I was the one who gave it to Sarah and Richard, but they didn't tell Senator Clinton that I found it. Instead, they're taking all the credit for something I did. This is Senator Clinton's October surprise, it will change the course of the election and history. She will finally shatter the glass ceiling. Why do you care who gets the credit? Because it's not right. I'm the one who found it, not Sarah or Richard. I deserve the credit. She was hiding something, and she wasn't exactly good at lying. Why does it matter? Trump is down over five points. Why does this change the race? I had hundreds of more questions on the tip of my tongue and even more running through my brain. She raised her head and told me proudly, Trump will be down 15 points when this hits. This is a game changer. She was still avoiding my main question. I used my stern voice and asked her, so, this will change the polls 10 points? Now, a 10-point swing is pretty big, maybe even huge. But why do you care who gets the credit? Listen, in the USB, I have a contract that states the main video and audio has to be played after my logo, and my watermark is on it, too. So that's there, and... The end of her sentence hung out in dead air, and she was staring past me. And? And, well, there's an article I want you to publish for me in there, too.
It's about how I'm the one who found this, and how I knew it would change the election, she was starting to daydream, watching herself receive the Nobel Peace Prize or some shit. She was full of herself, that was for sure. Okay, wait, you have your own watermark? No, I mean, answer my other question. Why do you care who gets credit? Tell me now, or everything is off. She reached for my tie again. Well, Gunny, after Senator Clinton shatters the glass ceiling and wins, she'll be in the Oval Office. And, of course, she will be looking to name someone press secretary. And, shouldn't that be me? Aha! She was an opportunist like me. Well, I need to literally run, but all my contact info is in there, and I already have your number. 502 area code, right? It's the 502 remix, I sang out, quoting a nappy root song she didn't know or care about. Okay, you got my number, call me. Gotta check this out first, I yelled, pointing at my junk and quickly regretting that choice. She just smiled and took off running. There was no way to predict what might be on the jump drive, but whatever it was, it would have to be devastating to derail the Trump train. I had seen the massive power of the Trumpies over the summer while on the road, and it was a base that wasn't easily swayed. Hillary was up now, but it felt like she was clinging for dear life. Trump's campaign was threatening a major October surprise. The political world in 2016 wasn't the one that Bernstein and Woodward had covered. Times weren't changing, they had already changed.